Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. We are here at the NovaCare Complex. We are excited. The Eagles, a 1 o'clock game on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, really will be a tester for the Eagles against a great, great running back in the name of Derrick Henry. We'll talk a little bit about him as we get into our first look at the Titans. And then from the offensive standpoint, the Eagles going against a really great Tennessee defense that has not allowed more than 20 points in the last eight games. So there is some real football to be played here on Sunday afternoon. Uh, And we've got a great, great podcast for you. Really excited about this podcast. In a bit here, we're going to meet Linval Joseph, who has been an Eagle for two whole weeks. And he came into the studio and a fascinating life story, fascinating approach to playing football. And he's made a difference with the Eagles in this run game. So make sure you're with us as we kick things off here in just a minute with Linval Joseph. We'll also hear from head coach Nick Sirianni. And um, we're going to take our first look at the Titans, a 7-4 team coming off a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. What's going on with the Titans? Good record, but they always play these kind of slugfest games, and that's what we expect on Sunday. Also, our extra points, one of the subplots of this game, A.J. Brown playing his former team. So we'll get to that in just a bit. Want to make note at the top here, Jalen Hurts, the NFC Offensive Player of the Week after his performance against the Green Bay Packers, and what a game it was. Hurts, 157 yards on the ground, 153 passing yards, two touchdowns. The Eagles, a 40-33 to win. Philadelphia's got some injury situations to deal with, notably in the secondary. Avante Maddox still out, so Josiah Scott remains the nickel cornerback. And Reed Blankenship in line to start his first NFL game in place of C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who suffered a lacerated kidney on Sunday night. Head coach Nick Sirianni addressed that injury in his Wednesday press conference. Here's what the head coach had to say. No, just what you guys, I mean, just so you guys know, as far as the last raid kidney, I know he was in some pain on the field and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's doing, he's doing well right now, as far as, excuse me, as far as how long he'll be out that you never really know with that. And, you know, I'm not going to put a timetable on anybody. Um, but we just hope he gets a bit better and we'll play it safe with that. That's a, you know, obviously that's a dangerous injury and, uh, we want, we'll think about his health just like we do all our players first. Um, and then get, he'll get on the field when he's, when he's ready. So the Eagles will move forward without Gardner-Johnson, and we hope that he gets back soon. On the positive injury front, defensive tackle Jordan Davis back on the practice field. He took part in the team's walkthrough on Wednesday. Still no word on when he'll be activated. The Eagles have the practice window open. That means 21 days to see just where Davis is in his recovery from an ankle injury. The Eagles have missed him, and in the meantime, they went out and signed two veterans, and Damakasu and Linval Joseph. And let's start things off here with the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Linval Joseph, a, a born in, Saint, uh, in, in the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands in St. Croix, came to the U.S. at the age of 10, or well, came to Florida at the age of 10, um, uh, goes to East Carolina, gets drafted by the Giants, wins a Super Bowl there, goes to Minnesota, then to the Chargers, and now he's here. 
and he's made a difference, and he's just a really interesting, upbeat, fascinating person. I hope you like the interview. I'm pleased to be joined on the Eagles Insider Podcast by Eagles defensive tackle Linval Joseph. Hello there. I'm Dave. How I'm you doing, Dave? All right. Uh, I've been here for since the 1996 season. Were you born in 1996? I'm just kidding. <laughs> born in 88. Um, I've been really enjoying, you've been here for two weeks. I've really enjoyed looking you up. Uh, fascinating life, fascinating career. I mean, let's start at the very beginning. Um, what was Saint Saint Croix, Virgin Islands? Yes, sir. Uh, until you were ten years old. Um, yeah. What What are your memories of life like on the island? I mean, that's the best part of my life. You know, just being born in Virgin Islands. I went back every summer until I got into the lead. And when I got into the lead, I used to go down there in off season for about a month. A lot of fishing, a lot of picking fresh fruit. They had this place called the Rainforest that you can go and you can go. You can get any fruit you want. But the kicker was you have to go find it and <laughs> go up like mountains and it's like hiking. Okay. So that was- I want to hear what you went, what'd you get? I mean, what? we go for mango, we go for guava, we go for watermelon. You just had to find which fields where you're at and then walk to it. That's cool. So yeah. Sounds like a safe, fun little excursion. It wasn't too safe, but you just- oh, that, I mean, are you like climbing- like I mean, you just walk Were you climbing trees to get the- Yeah, you're climbing trees to get your fruit. Yeah, but just, you might be walking through the bush and then- it might be a big old wasp nest. You hit, 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 hit your head on it. Now you're all stung up. It's like, all right, do we keep going for the fruit or we go back to the car? I, I can't imagine you were the smallest baby doing that. Like, how much were you when you were born, if you don't mind I me mean, asking? I mean, I was seven pounds. What? Yeah, maybe six pounds. How'd you, how'd you gain uh, a couple of pounds since then? I mean... I mean, were you a big kid? Or were you, or did you quickly become a big child? No, I have a great story on that, actually. So I remember being in high school. I was always a little bit bigger than everybody else. And then one day I woke up, went to school, and I couldn't fit in my school desk no more. I just like had a sprout, a growth spore that night, <laughs> and that's when I like learned. And I'm like, what are you, Forrest I'm Gump? Really, really bigger than most people now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you take it? Did, so, so I, I'm going to jump around all over the place because the Linval Joseph Foundation mm -hmm. deals with bullying. Yep. And I wonder, did that lead? To, were you bullied because of your size? I feel like everybody's been bullied, but like, yeah, I agree. Going from the islands to Florida was. A culture shock. Why you know, did you go to the, Why did you go to Florida? What was your family? My mom. Interest? My mom was from Florida, and she just wanted to give us a better life, and she decided to move to Florida. Okay. So I just remember going to school. First day, it was a little chilly. Never really felt weather under eighty. <laughs> you know, so fifty degrees, a little chilly. Didn't have the right jacket, and I just remember the kids just picking on my shoes. Man, I had some. My mom. Very hard worker, but I think at the time she was only bringing in $20,000 a year. So she didn't really have the money to buy us Jordans and all the fancy stuff all the other kids have. So we had a pair of shoes called Volts. It was from Kmart. They looked like Nike Shocks. And I just remember walking in on campus and work, walking to school, and they started just ragdolling my shoes. Oh, those cost for Kmart. They only cost $1.99. That's really crazy. Wait, I'm, I'm way older than you. So when I was a kid and people would wear them, we would call them bobos. Did you ever hear that expression? Bobos. Bobos, they cost $1.99. That's yeah. the song that was singing to me. They make feet feel fine. fine yeah. Bobos. Yep. Oh, wow. So, uh, suddenly with you all that time, though, that, that, that it, it can really inflict a lot of damage on young people's sense of worth, sense of confidence. Is that what the Linval Joseph, Linval Joseph Foundation deals with? I mean, yeah, it just, it just at the end of the day, when that happened, 
I use negativity and turn it into positivity. I use it as energy. So it was like, you know what? I show you. So I started washing cars, cutting grass, doing flower gardens for my neighbors. And I started making some money. I started buying, help my mom pay bills. I started buying, oh. I bought some Converse's, the Reebok Classics. Huh. I, you know, it's like I started, whenever they picked on me or said something about me, I was like, you know what? I'll show you. And that's how it always been throughout life. So a lot of people, they curl up in the ball. That's not how I am. I always want to prove somebody wrong. I want to show them that I can do something. Oh, you'll never graduate. Okay, I'll show you. You'll never be on 300 pounds. Okay, I'll show you. You'll never make it to the NFL. Okay, I'll show you. You'll never get drafted. So just like, that's always been the story of my life. Oh, you're too old. Oh, you're too this. Was it, was it live all an epiphany you had? Like, do you think it came from your family? Do you think it just came internally? Like you just said, I'm I'm not gonna live this way anymore. I'm gonna I'm going to be no. I'm gonna control the destiny of my life. No, my mom did everything she could. She raised me up right. Is she your I hero? just huh? Is she your hero? My mom, yeah, my mom, my, my family, yeah. My mom and my dad, both are my heroes. Okay. I mean, like without them, living in the island's a different life, man. I remember being one years old, they're telling me the story, but one years old. Hurricane came came by, and they took me out the crib, and the next you know the whole roof flew off, you know. So four hours, got a piece of galvanized, it's like roofing. My mom, my dad, and me, four hours to this storm tapered down, you know. And then the storm is over, the light shine, nothing. It was just us, and we had to start over. So you learn how to appreciate and live life differently when you lose everything and you have to every day start building your house back up from scratch. Which is, I mean, the in the two weeks that I've been by your locker with the other media groups, you, you have a, such a positive, like you really appreciate this opportunity. God, God is good, you yeah. know, and life is a test, you know, he, things happen to you for a reason and I'm a true believer in that and I just don't want to fail my tests. How did you get into football? How, how old were you? Why did you get into football? Man, I was growing up, loved sports. So track and field is my first heart. So track and field, basketball, football, weightlifting. You know, I got my first, I think track and field was my first scholarship. Basketball was my second. Football was my third. Because just, just the first sport I did was basketball. So I got viewed first. But football just became, I remember just playing throw up tackle, throw up touch. You know, and... Being a big guy, they was like, well, you just gonna, you only going to play on an offensive line or defensive line. I'm like, but I want to catch the ball. Mm -hmm. I want to run the ball, mm -hmm. you know? So one day, one game we was losing by like 40 points. I said, I'm tired of it. Give me the ball. Mm -hmm. Took a counter, got like 45 yards. Mm -hmm. And after that, I started to have plays to run nice. the ball. I changed my number to 85 from 76. And I became, I call it a spark plug. Watched old video of William the Refrigerator Perry scoring touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so East Carolina, um, did, like when you, when you were at East Carolina, did you feel at that time that you had a chance to be at the next level? Or when did it kind of occur when to you clicked? that you were that good? Okay, yeah. I'll give you that good story. So when ECU, supposed to go to University of Florida, scholarship got back, pulled away, you know, Irvin Myers, over-recruited. So ended up going to ECU. Yep. I went to ECU on a dual scholarship. So I got a chance to do track and field and football, which was First year was amazing, you know? How you managed and the time with that. It was too hard. Yeah. So I had to give up one, so I gave up track. And we had a running back name of Chris Johnson. You probably heard of oh, him. Oh, yeah, a little bit. So I'm a freshman. He's a senior. 
I just remember every day I practiced, we had this one drill. I remember shedding the guard, getting the backfield. It was like, all right, what are you going to do to me today? Is he going to outrun me or is he going to shake me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just watched this guy work and I watched his stock go up and I watched people tell him, well, if he can't run inside the tackles, he's not going to make it in the NFL. He's not going to get drafted. I watched him bust his butt every day. Song got drafted. I was like, if he can do it, I know I can do it. And from that moment on, I was grinding every day, working on my craft. Was being drafted by the Giants in 2010 as great a day as they say it is when you, they say it's always the greatest day of your of your professional life when you get drafted into the NFL. Yeah, I mean. I mean you've won a Super Bowl, so it let's put yeah, it in context. It, 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 it was shocking. It was surprising. I remember they told me I wasn't going to get drafted. They said third round to seventh round drafted. So I was a junior. I was going against Sue and McCoy and, you know, like all the top guys that year in that draft. And I told myself, I'm going to go to this combine. I'm going to have fun because if I make it or not, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my degree. I'm, Linville Joseph won't be done here. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So that was my mindset. So benched good, ran good, did everything what I need to do to see my name, potential first round, you know, at the end of the last couple of picks. They didn't get drafted in the first round, got drafted in the second round. And what stuck to me about getting drafted, I think the reason why I got drafted to the Giants was Tom Coughlin was at my pro day. He wasn't dressed up looking like a head coach. He was looking up more like a scout. He had a baseball cap on, and he pulled me aside. And he started talking to me. And they about to start doing the drills and stuff. And part of me was like, leave me alone, old guy. I got to go start my drills. Part of me was like, no, listen to him. So I listened to him. Yeah. And every time I have a battle with myself to, like, do something or not do something, you know, most people make that bad decision. When it comes to, like, talking to somebody, I never push somebody off. I, like, listen. I, 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 hear, I hear him out. Okay. I was a little late. Got over there. Ran a great 40. I think I ran a 4.85 in the 40. And then I noticed at the end of the day, he was talking. Head coach from the New York Giants, and he was talking about my my performance. And that was the last time I heard from the Giants. I didn't take a visit there. And then draft night, they drafted me. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is a wild guess. So I'm looking at your career, looking through your career. The last time that you were inactive as a rookie was, inter it's a little interesting parallel. On Sunday night, Jalen Hurts runs for 157, sets a new Eagles record for most rushing yards by an Eagles quarterback. A record that had been held by Michael Vick yes. against the Giants, December 19th. You were inactive that day. Yep. I was looking right at him like, I should be playing right And now. I don't think you were ever inactive after that. I'm like, maybe that was a turning point in well, your my, career. The Giants were like, we cannot have Linval Joseph on the sideline. Well, my first year, that's like my first year in the NFL was just crazy. It was real football, two-a-days, whole nine yards, 70 people, not 90. So I got a chance to see how it evolved over the years. But in my first year, I probably dressed four games. Probably played in, dressed six, played in yep. four. Yep. Eight, you, you, dressed in, you dressed in eight. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. You dressed in six. Yep, played in yeah, four. Play, yeah. And I just remember that game in particular, we had the game one, but at the end of the day, we couldn't stop the run. Oh, yeah. And that punt by Matt Dodge. Matt Dodge, ECU. He boomed it. I don't blame it on him. He should never got down to that kick. But yeah. man, what a great day for the Eagles that was. That was a crazy game. What? How did? How did? 
like we always celebrate. You see pictures on the in the walls here of Novacare. When we celebrate that, how did the Giants react to that? I mean, that helped us get the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, I know. Don't stop. You know what I mean? Yeah, it actually did. No, it did. It did because in the day it was like, look who we lost. Look how we lost. That's not us. Like you said, that was the last end of the year. Next year, I became a twelve-year starter. Amazing. You know what I mean? Like, why? What's your key to success, Ben Linville? The key to success is being a student of the game, you know, and just giving all you got and just great hustle. You know, you might not make every play, you might make mistakes, but effort really outshines a lot of things and heart and willing to give back to the younger younger players. What were you doing day to day when you were not playing football earlier this year? I was training. I was training every day. I was rehabbing, making sure whenever the time come, I'd be ready for the opportunity. So what were you doing the other 22 hours of the day? Man, I trained six hours, Did eight hours really? a day, yeah. So I, it's interesting, like, I think that players have the most difficulty when they leave the game. They no longer have the cadence of the day, a schedule of things to do. I had a schedule. Did you find, so you made, you made sure to keep yourself on schedule? I had a schedule. schedule. I worked out every day. I think I want to say 10 o'clock. I get up at 6, go on the sauna, do cardio. Oh, you're a really disciplined guy, aren't you? I, I mean, I had to have a routine. Yeah. You know, and go to the gym from 10 to 12, come back, eat my first meal, you know, walk the dogs, do some more, watch um, Sunday Ticket in the sauna again <laughs> for an hour, watch a couple games, you know, go to rehab. So I had, like, stuff done, get some stuff done around the house. Did at any point you think, maybe this is the end for me? I never thought that. I like, maybe, well, maybe this be a year to recover and next year see what goes from there. But at the same time, that was, like, on the last, last line of resort. I, I didn't want to go on a team and just be a body. Or I know, a, I know. And you're, you're here and you're being, you feel like a Philadelphia Eagle now? I mean, I feel good. Yeah. I, I, I'm thankful and grateful for the opportunity, you know, and I just don't want to let them down. Is it a welcoming environment in this, in this building, it's, in this organization, in this city? It's a great, it's a great, it's a great welcoming environment. That's cool. A couple things that I've noticed in your, in your past. Um, okay. Uh, 2014, you were shot uh, at a bar in Minneapolis, 400 sound bar, nine people wounded, one person eventually died in that shooting. Nine, that's all they said? That's all I said in the, in, that I looked Man, up. In the high I, I, I promise it had to be at least about 15. Tell me what the heck what, that was like. All, what, what are your memories of that crazy scene? I mean, scene? like I said, that was me new to the team. And some of the guys on some other teams was like, hey, we're getting all the guys together so we can bond. I lived five minutes away from the place. My family was in town. I'm like, yo, my family's in town. It was like, LJ. Come down, one shot, just come down, come hang out for like 20 minutes and be on your way. I was like, all right, I'll come. You know, and it's almost like we're sitting up in here right now. We're here, we have a one-on-one, -on -one, and then something happens outside and everybody outside runs in the air. Okay. And now we all on the ground with the people they're trying to. You got shot on the calf. Got shot on my calf. Scared? Like, you could, can you, could you hear? Did you have nightmares? No. Bang, 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 bang. Was, did you no. hear it? Wrong place, wrong time. Like I said, it wasn't for me. It was blood. It was bloods and crips, and oh, okay. Like I said, they ran where we was at. We was on the ground together. They was reloading. They got up and run again. They started shooting again, and that's when I felt like I had a, a cramp. Mm. A cramp. And then how? That's kind of what it felt like. It felt like a cramp at first when you can't see it, and when I got outside and I saw the blood gushing out, I'm like, ooh, I got shot. <laughs> that's quite a cramp. I was like, ooh, it's starting to burn. Do you do you now have <laughs> do you have any sort of like um, feeling? Uh, about guns and about about okay, like I said, it was wrong place, wrong time. I'm not the type of person to overlook and look in something when it's not like it's 
Only thing I could change was not being there that night. But things happen anywhere. We could be at the park and somebody's robbing somebody and they're running over where we at because they're looking for people to shield themselves. Yeah. It can happen. If you ever watch any movie, what it did do for me, it started making me pay attention to movies. Because like, I watch Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2. And a lot of scenes are people on the beach or people in the park. They're chilling with their, with their girlfriend or boyfriend and drinking some wine, some cheese. And next you know, uh, a shooting scene happening or a car getting robbed and it's passing through the park. You see them running, scrambling. I know what it feels like now. That's the way, that's realistic. I know what it feels like now. Okay. Uh, 2018, we, we uh, remember Carson Wentz getting hit. Ball pops up. You catch it. You run 64 yards very fast. Timed at 18.2 miles an hour per the NFL Next Gen Stats. Your lone touchdown of your NFL career um, at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, great memories of that play? I mean, I feel like that helped spark my career in a way, you know? Well, give me memes and yeah, people want to... On the sidelines with the oxygen <laughs> and, the, and the, uh, the oxygen mask and the, and the sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Classic. You, you were viral before there was even viral. Yeah. Um, uh, what does having a, a key to the city of St. Croix mean exactly? Does that mean you can like walk in any uh, government <sighs> building and unlock it? Like what is... Like, I mean, are you just, king of the city? I won't say. I, I feel like Tim Duncan will always be king of the city. Yes. You know, but it's nice to go home and get recognized and people know who you are and just, it's, it's one love. Being in the islands is, is one love. Is there a football environment there? It's growing, for sure growing. It's more basketball, soccer, but football. Had a couple guys from the islands make it to the lead and just trying to find a, a way to give back. Ed Block Courage Award winner, what's that mean to you? I mean, it means a lot. Like I said, giving to the community and trying to help others progress every day. Okay. Is voted on by your teammates. You came back from an injury, life. I guess, and, and you're you're a man. Uh, what are your body dimensions? When you what are your what do you what's your jacket size? I can't. I get everything custom now. Yeah. You ain't buying uh, off the rack. If I, if I buy off the rack, if I buy like my shorts are four X. Okay. Four or three X. All okay. depends on what time of year it is. <laughs> uh, so tell me about how you make lamb shrimp Alfredo. Lamb. Shrimp Alfredo. I read that that was your, your love. You love to cook, and that's your... Well, I do rack of lamb. Okay. And love Alfredo. Okay. I can make shrimp, chicken, you name it. I love cooking from scratch. My dad was a chef, so... Presentation and and how it tastes is key, you know? Okay. I'd rather it tastes better than what do it Do you like was. the food in Philly so far? Food is good, man. Okay. Like, food is, food is food really is food. good. Uh, last one, Derek Henry this week. Yes. Uh, how exciting for you to play King Henry? Of course. It's always a great challenge. I mean, at the end of the day, to be the best, you got to beat the best, you know? And to get recognition, you have to beat somebody with recognition. So this is a great chapter challenge for our team, you know? And I think so far this week, I can tell, I can feel the urgency. I can feel everybody locking in because we want it. So we got to go get it. You came back to Phil. You came back to the NFL to play for a contender, to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. You're working with a group of just all-star superstar defensive linemen. That room, finally, Linval must be so much fun to be part of. I mean, it's a dream. Yeah, it's like playing for the Giants back in the day. You had your OC, you had your Tuck, you had, you know, you had Chris Canty. You had all these stars on a second, third contracts, and I was a rookie. Me and JP was a rookie, and everybody else was the stars. Now look at this 10 years, 12 years later, making history once once again. This will never ever, ever happen again. 
I love it. Linval Joseph, thank you, man. Yes, sir, Appreciate man. it. Nice to, nice you, to get to know you. You're a great guy, and uh, let's keep winning football games. Let's, hey, let's get it done. Go Birds. Head coach Nick Sirianni in his weekly one-on-one interview. I wanted to highlight, to begin the interview, a little chat about the red zone, and the Eagles lead the league in red zone offense. Nobody talks about it, but this offense has been great inside opponents' 20-yard line. They're devastating in goal-to-goal situations. It can make a difference down the stretch. So as we go one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni, that is where we begin in the red zone. We welcome you in, Eagles everywhere, to our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Eagles getting ready for the Tennessee Titans, 1 o'clock on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. And coach, let's start with the red zone. The offense leads the league in red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, things work really well down there for you. What is the philosophy? How do you attack? Why does it work? Yeah, you know, I think really when you and anything you think about is about your players, right? And so in this particular case, it's not any different than in the field. You're always thinking about what your players do well, and you're trying to put them in positions to make plays. And so we have a great offensive line, and we have great running backs. we got Jalen, and then we have great receivers to be able to be multiple down there and be able to run it in and be able to pass it in. I think when you're one-dimensional down there, it's hard, but... When you're able to, to get it in multiple ways, then you got a lot to defend. There is an emphasis, right? Like you meet and say, hey, this is our game plan um, playbook for this week. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it's it, the, the field, everything, you're trying to identify everything in the game that um, requires a different set of mind, uh, a different mindset or a different philosophy or a different game plan. And so you do that on third down, obviously. You do that in the red zone. You do that in different sections of the red zone. Um, you do that in two minute, you do that in four minute, you do that in backed up. So you're, you're breaking the game down into sections um, because we know we have tendencies down there, but they also have tendencies down there. Every team that you play has tendencies down there. So you just, again, it's just, uh, you know, being specific in that part of the field, situational football. Um, and we've done a good job of that so far this year. Sunday night against the Packers, Mike Tirico, Chris Collingsworth, we're having an interesting conversation in the booth about the benefits, perhaps, of a multi-dimensional quarterback, a quarterback who has mobility. Does today's game lend itself to having that kind of quarterback? Is it an advantage to have a quarterback like Jalen who can move around? Well, most definitely. Uh, you know, it's, you, you, it's the same thing, right? If you if you got a guy that can only stay in the pocket, then you, then you can do some things to, to dictate him, you know, and affect the game that way. If you got a guy that can only get outside of the pocket and, and make plays moving around, then you can affect him too. But when you have that ability to do both, of course, it's the same thing. You don't – the same thing we talked about in the red zone. You have the ability to do both. It's tough for the defense to defend. And so I think that's what you're seeing more and more across the NFL are guys that can make plays with their arm and guys that can make plays with their feet. Aaron Rodgers probably an early guy that did a lot of that, Patrick Mahomes, and we're lucky we got a guy with, with Jalen Hurts that's, that's doing the same thing and, and following that same mold. Interesting mindset on this football team. Little things or even significant things don't seem to hinder the football team. Example, A.J. Brown has a fumble on Sunday night, goes back to the bench, slams his helmet down, gets right back in the game and scores a touchdown a short time later. Is that the kind of mindset that separates the good ones from the great ones in this league? I think so, and that's, that speaks to the character of the guys that we have on this team. We have great guys on this team. We not only have great football players, we have great great men on this team that are able to to stay in the moment, right? And so, and there's you know, stay in the moment 
forget the past and move on uh, on to the next play. And uh, we talk a lot a lot about that with dog mentality. You know, you got to be able to be very short sighted with what's happened in the past and focus on only the things that you can control. And I think that's what AJ's mindset was, was just, hey, I can't affect what happened last. I can change my habits of what I did off the last play so it doesn't happen again, but I can't change the fact that it happened. How am I going to go out there and make a play to change this game in a positive way? And I think he did that with a, a couple of catches they had after that. And then also the, the touchdown that he had after that. Nick, we're two games into Ndamukong Sue, Linval Joseph being here. I want to get your thoughts on how you think they fit into the culture of the locker room and to the football team. And then Sunday, it's Derrick Henry. The king comes to Philadelphia. Is this the kind of game where players like that really, you know, pump up and say, hey, I really, I'm looking forward to this challenge? <laughs> yeah, you know, first of all, they, they fit in great to this, this culture. Again, they're good people, right? And they're good people with, that know what it takes to win and know what it takes to get to the top. Why does it mesh well, right? Because they have a common interest that the players that are here already have, right? Which is we, we're going to do everything we can do to get ready for this week, you know, and we love football and we care about football. So you bring in guys like those two guys that love football that have the same common goals and interests as the guys that are here, it's going to mesh well. And, and so it, they, they fit in tremendously in the locker room. They've helped us tremendously on the field. And going against a tough opponent like the Tennessee Titans, um, you know, they're a physical uh, group of, uh, they're a physical team. They're a really physical team. And, you know, we're physical too. And so, and these guys just add to that physicality uh, because they've been doing that, uh, the way they've been playing with that tough nose football. They've been doing it for a long time and it just adds, adds depth and layers to the, you know, the physicality that we already had on this team, and, and they just add to it. Good segue then. You talked earlier in the week about Tennessee's defense and how physical they are. Is that kind of the key to their success in recent years, just the physical play? I think that's one of them. Uh, I think they're really well coached. I think uh, Mike Vrabel is an excellent football coach, and I think what he does is he doesn't let their team screw it up. You know, he, he makes sure they're disciplined, and they're going to make you go the long roads to beat them and not give you things, right? They play somewhat mistake-free. We all have mistakes as we go through, but it feels like that's kind of how they are, and it's knowing them a little bit probably more than, than others because being in the division not too long ago, they're showing the same things that they showed when I was in that division with them, and they're just, they're just a sound, well-coached football team that plays physical and tough. You mentioned many times how physical the Eagles are. I wonder if people out there appreciate that and like really look at the Eagles that way. Yeah, you know, we, uh, we pride ourselves in that. And I think, um, shoot, when you, run, when you run for 350 yards, I think that people, uh, people take notice to that. That's what we know we are, our identity is. I think we're fast, we're physical, and we're for each other. Um, we talk about that a lot as a group, and we call it the three Fs. No, even close. Though, even though, Philadelphia. Yeah. Physical. Uh, Philadelphia Same doesn't thing. start with an F. It, well, it, you're 10-1. It can start with whatever you want it to start with. Coach Sirianni, thanks so much for joining us. Our weekly one-on-one -on -one with head coach Nick Sirianni. Thanks for joining. The Tennessee Titans come to Lincoln Financial Field after a tough loss to the Cincinnati Bengals last Sunday. You know what they've got. Derrick Henry. They've got a great defense. They've got Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. They're physical. They're well-coached. They're fundamentally sound. They are a handful. And the truth is, no matter where they play, they're capable of beating anybody in the NFL. They'll be a force in the playoffs in the AFC. Jim Wyatt from TennesseeTitans.com. He's been a longtime beat reporter covering the Titans. So there's nobody better to go to to get a first look at the 7-4 Titans coming to Philly on Sunday. 
Tim Wyatt, Tennessee Titan. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Jim, um, trying to figure out this Tennessee Titans team. It, it, it always is such a kind of a, 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 I don't know, from the outside, I'm going to tell you a cookie cutter team, the toughest, most physical, nasty, run the football with King Henry, uh, Ryan Tannehill, sneaky good kind of football team that is always there at the end. You tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think you're right, and certainly that's what this team hopes to build up to uh, uh, this year as well and, and wants to be playing his best football at the right time. Now, certainly he's got some work to do. It's coming off a game against the Bengals where really all those things you mentioned that they want to do, they didn't do them as effectively and uh, lost that game against the Bengals. But the team has you know, kind of bounced back after an 0-2 start, ended up winning seven of the last nine games and um you know when they're going well that's what they do they're physical they beat you up they run the ball they they win close games um so and that's what they're going to try to do they're going to try to bring that formula to philadelphia against a really good eagles team and uh if the Titans are going to advance this year they're going to have to play better certainly than they did on sunday against the Bengals uh, when they didn't do a lot of those things well watching some of that game reading up on it it seems like you know when when Derrick Henry is, is stopped, I guess, before he gets started, that's kind of the only way to get at him. And it seemed like the Bengals did a pretty good job of that, I think, 38 carry, uh, thirty-eight yards for, for Derrick. Uh, what did you see in the run game from the Bengals game? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's right. I mean, he, he carried, you know, 17 times to get those 38. He averages 2.2 yards a carry. The longest run was nine. You don't see many days like that with him. They stacked the box, but the Titans are used to having a stacked box against them. Now, um, I, I think the biggest thing that hurt the Titans on Sunday is their inability to really do much in the red zone. That's where this team's been really good this year. They were second in the NFL going into that contest in red zone touchdown percentage. They were 0 for 3 there on Sunday. Um, you know, part of their issues um, have to do with missing their center, Ben Jones, who's missed the last couple of games with a concussion. We'll see how that plays out moving forward. But you know, across the across the board, I mean, they're going to have to they have to be better passing the football to kind of open things up for Derek. And then when they do get down there, I mean, because because they have had issues on offense during the course of this season, but they've been able to you know disguise some of that or or or, or kind of quash some of the conversation around that because they've been able to score when they've gotten in the red zone, and that didn't happen on Sunday. And that's that's certainly uh, you know something they've got to get fixed. I would think he's almost unstoppable, and then they introduced the pop pass against Green Bay. Um, it, is it really just a matter of what's going on up front with, with the center? I mean, it, clearly everybody's looking for Derrick Henry in the red zone. Yeah, and it's not just the center. I mean, because obviously, you know, issues were bigger than that yesterday. Um, I think that I think what they've got to do is they've got to be able to do some things to loosen that up, and whether that's with play calling, whether that's with you know some more success throwing the ball downfield, you know maybe that's trying to to get Dontrell Hilliard, you know their kind of their second back in their third down back, you know have some success with him. I mean they need to do some things to to allow for Derek to have a little bit more running room. He's been good this year. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's already over 1,000 yards. He was leading the league in rushing heading into that game. So you don't see many games like the one he had Sunday where, they, where he got just 38 
yards rushing. But, you know, we're going on a couple of weeks now where he has not had one of those, um, you know, huge, huge games like he was doing leading up to that game. You know, he had, um, you know, against Green Bay, 87 rushing yards, but that came on 28 carries. You know, against the Broncos a week before that, 53 rushing yards on 19 carries. So we're, we've had three games in a row where he has not, had a huge game and the Titans got to figure that out because it was a week before that, you know, Kansas City went for 115. Houston, he went for 219. The Indy game for that 128. The Washington game for that 102. The Indy game for that 114. I mean, so that's when he was rolling. He, his momentum has been slowed a little bit lately, and that's where the Titans got to get some things fixed. How do Eagles fans have, have kept their eyes on Tennessee for a lot of reasons? Um, one of them is to, to find out. Was the trade of A.J. Brown in Philadelphia, we certainly feel it's beneficial. How do you feel about, as the season goes along here and Traylon Burks becomes more involved in the past game, what was that trade like for the Titans, at least to date? And we obviously take more than one season to evaluate a, a trade. But um, to this point, how how's it worked out for the Titans? Well, I think that's the, the most important thing, like you said. is, is you, It's hard to judge it now just – um, you know, just 11 games into this season for the Titans. They've got a guy in Trayvon Burks who has shown promise. He's had back-to-back really good games. He missed four with turf toe. So his, his season has kind of been cut in half to some degree because of an injury. Uh, in time, the Titans think he's going to be really good. But, um, you know, there, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Titans don't, don't miss A.J. Brown because they do. And, uh AJ is one of the most dynamic players that's been around here since I've covered the team, and that's since the 1999 season. So I mean, I've, I've seen every Titans team, I've seen every Titans player. AJ was special. Um, there's no doubt about that. And you know, you ask the fan base, you know, what's missing from this team, and they would tell you it's it's AJ Brown. I mean, they and they so they need for Traylon Burks to emerge and to do more, but it's not all on him. I mean, it's on everybody. And their entire receiving core and entire team have got to do something to make up for that loss. But um, you know, AJ's done great in Philly. You know he stays healthy. He's in an offense that's really utilizing his skill set. And uh, I'm sure a lot of Titans fans, you know, it, it it's hard to watch um, him be so good there because we saw some of it here. And uh, and you got a you know. A, a hint that maybe more was coming, and then it has has come in Philly, and he's been really good. I I like him. He's a great kid. Um, Hated the way things played out here at the end, Uh, but um, I'm glad that A.J.'s been able to to have the success he's had. Let's talk about the Titans defense, Jim. Um, It'll be an interesting, really interesting matchup. The Eagles, 21 rushing touchdowns. Um, The Titans have allowed only three rushing touchdowns. It's a physical defense. It's a great defense up front. Um, I don't know what the injury situation is with Autry, if he'll play on Sunday. Um, maybe you have a sense of that. But you know, what is the, the secret to the success Tennessee has defensively? Well, they they have been good up, you know, up front. They do miss Autry that you mentioned. Um, you know, Jeffrey Simmons been really good up front. I, mean, I think they have been, for the most part, a good – tackling team that has been good against the run you know 
again, you're catching me at coming off a game against the Bengals where they didn't do a lot of things that they normally do. And that's good after the quarterback and that stopped the run and that's be physical and that's forced turnovers. They didn't do any of that on, you know, against the Bengals. They did, you know, for the eighth consecutive game, allow their opponent to score 20 points or less. It's the longest streak in the NFL and the longest streak for the franchise since 93. So they've done a good job at keeping opponents from scoring a lot. I feel like I got to say the Bengals took three off the board late because they got a, you know, there's a personal foul called late on the Titans and they took the field goal off the board. And that's why they ended up with 20 instead of 23. But, um, you know, the Titans need to get back to that. And I think, you know, coming off of this game against Cincy, I think you'll see a Titans team that goes to Philadelphia and feels like they've got something to prove to kind of get back to playing with that tough, hard-nosed physical mindset that forces turnovers and get back to the QB. And um, and that's what they're going to need to be to do to be successful because this team is not scoring a lot of points. They scored 27 in Green Bay. You know, but a lot of games has been a struggle to score, so the defense feels like it needs to do its job to hold up that side of the deal. And um, and that's a big challenge this week. The Eagles can score, and they can score in a lot of different ways. And um, and that's that's certainly um, a big concern going in. Tim, finally on the defense, how will the will the Titans? Did you see that matchup? Particularly, you know, the wide receivers Brown, AJ Brown. Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins against the Titans in the secondary. I don't know a ton about what Tennessee does uh, in the secondary in coverage against the pass game. Yeah, and, and they don't necessarily have guys that travel with certain players. I mean, they, for the most part, I think, will play sides. And, you know, Christian Fulton is a, is a good uh, young corner who has been solid this year, you know, Roger McCreary was a draft pick, was a rookie who, who has been good. They've had some other guys that have been in and out with injuries, but Elijah Molden is back. He played the nickel, you know, a good part of that game against the Bengals after missing a long stretch. Amani Hooker, who missed a long stretch as well at safety's back. Kevin Byard has been good kind of on the back end. So they've, they've played a lot of different players. And um, I myself, I'm also curious to, to see how they match up with some of those weapons and how they defend AJ. Um, uh, you know, as you said, I mean, it's, it's not just AJ. And as the Titans have already said this week, you know, this is this the primary focus going in is, is not to stop AJ Brown. You look at what else they've got at receiver, and you look at the quarterback who can take off and run, and the running game that did so well. You know, on Sunday night, I mean, you've got a lot of things to um, to deal with, and um, I'm I'm curious myself to see what the game plan looks like on Sunday. It's going to mean something for AJ Brown, no doubt. Will it mean something for the Tennessee defensive players? Will Will they get into this thing emotionally with AJ? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, they like. I mean, they, they he left here on you know good terms with his teammates. I mean, everybody likes him. He's a good kid had you know got along well with everybody here so it's not you know nobody's going this game you know like there's bad blood you know i think you know so many players you know when they leave and go somewhere else they come back and face their old teammates and and you have memories from those days and practices and and you've got history from from you know traveling and and experiencing good and bad times together with those guys And, and i'm sure for you know some of the guys in the secondary and Kevin Byer, the Titan safety has already said it this week. I mean, AJ's his guy. He enjoyed being around him. It'll be fun to compete against him. Um, 
and it'll be uh, you know it'll be fun to watch, but certainly nobody's got any bad blood going this thing. But they're they are going to try to outdo one another and try to get the best of one another on Sunday. Okay, AJ Brown, it's your turn. Three years with the Titans after they made him their second round selection in the 2019 draft. He made the Pro Bowl there after an outstanding 2020 season. 70 catches, 1,075 yards, 11 touchdowns. Well, Brown's on track to eclipse all of those numbers. 53 catches, 831 yards, and seven scores in 11 games this year. A.J. Brown, what's it going to be like to play the Titans as we start our extra point here? What's it going to be like to play the Titans? How much emotion are you going to have? So everybody crowded around Brown's locker on Wednesday, and this is what he had to say about playing his former team. I mean, of course, it means, it means a lot, but uh, you know, I got to be professional about it and, and keep my emotions down and, and just play. Like I said, uh, after the game, my job this week is just trying to be as consistent as possible. You know, so regardless of the plan, that's, that's my focus. So that's the perspective for the player. How about from the head coach, Sirianni, talking about his message to all of his players, including Brown this week. The constant reminder is like, hey, this game's big to us because it's our next one. This game's big to us because we don't want to let each other down. Um, and and you can't let your – just like you can't ride the waves of the season. Um, to answer your question, no, you don't. I don't think you treat it any different with how, how you tell one player toward another player. What I said to Zach Pascal before we played Indianapolis is going to be the same, same similar things that my message to, to AJ this week. He doesn't have to do any more than just go out there and be himself. Like He doesn't have to press. He's just got to go out there and do his job to the best of his abilities with the attention to detail um, and to go out there and put it – because if you allow yourself – Every week you could do that to yourself, right? Well, now I'm going, you know, I know there's no team for AJ to go home to in Mississippi, but I'm going to New Orleans, and I'm going to treat that better, bigger because I'm playing in front of them. Or now I'm going to play my former team here. Oh, now I'm going to play – I'm thinking an old Miss guy. I don't, uh, now I'm going to play uh, this team, and that's my that was my college roommate, and so now i got to get up for this. If you just treat everyone the same – Right, that's that's the way to go, and then you don't allow yourself to ride these waves of the season because there's always gonna there's gonna be different schedules. There's gonna be Thanksgiving one week, and then there's gonna be a Christmas one week. Like you, you gotta stay true to your process, and that that's the key um, because. It, Every game, the next game is always the biggest game. Uh, we don't want to let each other down, and so you got to prep like that. You got to prep for every game the same. Um, but naturally, human nature will take over, and that's my job as a coach to to make sure that he knows he doesn't have to do anything more than just be AJ Brown. That's why he's here. That's why we we traded for him. That's why we paid him because he's a phenomenal player. Just go be yourself. You don't have to do anything special because you're special enough to go out there and play. I think what's important to note here is that the Eagles are getting a lot more from A.J. Brown off the football field, just as much as they're getting on the football field. I mean, he is a great, great young man. He's had a tremendous impact on this football team, clearly on the field, but he's also made that wide receiver room a lot better, a lot more competitive. Here's Sirianni talking about A.J. Brown, the person, the teammate, the member of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
as the person goes, I mean, we just got a top-notch person. Um, I can't say enough about AJ the AJ the person. Obviously, his his play speaks for itself, but he is a great teammate. He is a great person. I've really enjoyed getting to know AJ. So that you know <clears throat> that that's that was obviously a good thing. And then as far as the play. Um, yeah, as advertised, right? I didn't have to watch a lot of film. Obviously knew a lot about him, um, and he was as advertised. And then you get him out here, and, and, and there's obviously things that you think to yourself, man, well, he can do that too. And that's going to be a nice addition to this this offense. And um, and so, yeah, everything, everything we imagined as advertised and then some. And that's our extra point for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. I'll be back with you shortly after the Eagles play the Titans on Sunday. Our instant reaction podcast straight from the Lincoln Financial Field locker room. You don't want to miss that. Tyler Lewis, Peter Kelly do a great job with that. And it really gives you raw, raw emotion from the locker room. I want to thank Peter and his team, Kira Mahoney. I want to thank Ray Doyle for his work and the Eagles media relations team for their help getting players like Linval Joseph to give their time so generously every week. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. We'd love to hear your comments. I include a little link in the description of the podcast, so click on it and give us some feedback. It really does help. Those five stars make a huge, huge difference. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly. And go, Birds! E-A-T-L-E-A!